Randolph, my old friend. This will be a night to remember. Broadcasting from Lothlorien in Middle Earth, this is the Secret Fire Podcast, sent to burn at the heart of the world, episode number 43. I'm Michael. And I'm Micah. On this episode, it is time for the company to leave the walled garden, the paradise of Lothlorien. What will they take from their time with the Lady of the Golden Wood and the Lord Celeborn? Let's find out. We invite you to come along, join the fellowship, become a servant of the Secret Fire right here on the GCT Network. This is your Great Commission Transmission. All right, Micah, it's been a month. We promised that we would uh, do this show, this podcast, once a month. Mm Mm-hmm. We're actually a couple of days early, but it worked out that cool. this is uh, the fourth week or so, or the beginning of the fourth week. However, that works out. Regardless, here we are, and we have some exciting things to talk about a little bit later on in the show. But we're going to jump right into the content, unless you had any addendums or afterthoughts nope. from last episode. Let's go. Oh, boy, those sounds are... Okay, let's turn down the <laughs> in-game sounds just a little bit here, and uh, you make sure that you are at the proper place uh, there from your microphone, and we will back up just a moment here. Um, All right, so at the Mirror of Galadriel, let's see, where's a good place to jump right in? I would ask one thing before we go, said Frodo, a thing which I often meant to ask Gandalf in Rivendell. I am permitted to wear the one ring. Why cannot cannot I see all the others and know the thoughts of those that wear them? You have not tried, she said. Only thrice have you set the ring upon your finger since... um, Where did I go? Uh, Since you (laughs) knew what you possessed. Do not try. It would destroy you. Did not Gandalf tell you that the rings give power according to the measure of each possessor? Before you could use that power, you would need to become far stronger and train your will to the domination of others. Yet even so, as ring bearer and as one that has borne it on finger and seen that which is hidden, your sight has grown keener. You have perceived my thought more clearly than many that are accounted wise. You saw the eye of him that holds the seven and the nine, and did you not see and recognize the ring upon my finger? Did you see my ring? She asked, turning again to Sam. No, lady, he said. To tell you the truth, I wondered what you were talking about. I saw a star through your fingers, but if you'll pardon my speaking out, I think my master was right. I wish you'd take his ring. You'd put things to rights. You'd stop them digging up the gaffer and turning him adrift. You'd make some folk pay for their dirty work. I would she said. That is how it would begin, but it would not stop with that, alas. We will not speak more of it. Let us go. Yeah. Fantastic stuff. Mm -hmm. Sam says, you have the power. You have the wisdom. You would set all things aright and make them pay. Yes, yes, that is... That's how I would... And that shows um, with Boromir um, I, I don't know if we talked about this last time but how he his intentions are pure I feel mostly but the power 
of the ring wouldn't allow him to stop at just helping his, uh, his kingdom. They would make him go further. Yes. Lift your microphone up. Somehow, before the show started, you were fine, and now you sound like you're across well, the room. did you turn me down or something? No, I didn't turn you down. I Actually, wonder. closer than you recommended me be. Well, alrighty. And, Micah, I also deleted our, uh, our entire sound cart and imported a uh, saved version of it, and it's missing our... Our cue to begin. Uh-oh. Oh, Do you remember it man. word for word? Remember what Bilbo used to always said. It's, it's a it's dangerous a world, Frodo. Stepping uh, out step your, your door. door. If you uh, don't, don't kick your feet, keep up your feet. I don't know. <laughs> Dang it. I'm sorry, Bilbo. I tried. Oh, and there we go. Stumbling <laughs> through it. I got to remember to put that back into the, uh, into the sound cart here. So you ready to start on chapter eight? I it's am. Book two, chapter eight, Farewell to Lorien. And away we go. That night, the company was again summoned to the chamber of Celeborn, and there, there the Lord and Lady greeted them with fair words. At length, Celeborn spoke of their departure. Now is the time, he said, when those who wish to continue the quest must harden their hearts to leave this land. Those who no longer wish to go forward may remain here for a while, but whether they stay or go, none can be sure of peace. For we are come now to the edge of doom. Here those who wish may await the oncoming of the hour till either the ways of the world lie open again or we summon them to the last need of Lorien. Then we may return, then they may return to their own lands or else go to the long home of those that fall in battle. Wow. That was a lot right there in one paragraph. Yes. Now is the time, he said, when those who wish to continue the quest must harden their hearts to leave this land. He's saying that I know it's going to be tough to leave Lorien. We've been talking about how it's a garden, uh, a temple, a picture of the temple of God, of, of Iluvatar. This is his temple in Middle Earth. This is the most pure, pristine place where evil is kept at bay by, by Galadriel, um, by her strength and her power and the power of the ring. But uh, the time is coming where she's no longer going to be able to hold at bay the, the, the Dark Lord, right? Mm -hmm. And so Celeborn is saying, you're going to have to harden your hearts. You're going to have to set your face towards Jerusalem, as uh, what uh, is said of Jesus. He set his face towards Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, for Jesus, was death, was crucifixion, was mocking. He was going to be mocked and tormented and spat on and have his beard ripped out from his face and be stripped naked and beaten and whipped to within an inch of his very life. He had to, he had to set his face, and that's what, what uh, Celeborn is saying. And this is what, what Jesus had said to his disciples. You know, in Matthew chapter 10, uh, 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 in a passage which we call the 
limited commission. It's never called that in the Bible. In fact, the word commission, even great commission, is not in the Bible. The word commission is used one time in the New Testament, and that was when Paul was given the orders um, from the priests, the high priests, to go and persecute Christians. He was commissioned to do that. So we call this passage the limited commission. Uh, We shouldn't call it that, but that's what everybody does. But he's talking to his disciples and he says in Matthew 10, verse 16, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves, but beware of men, for they will hand you over to the courts and scourge you in their synagogues, and you will even be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they hand you over, do not worry about how or what you are to say, for it will be given you in that hour what you are to say. For it is not you who speak, but it is the spirit of your father who speaks in you. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child, and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death and you will be hated by all because of my name. But it is the one who has endured to the end who will be saved. This reminds me of what Celeborn is saying. Bad things are going to happen, okay? Harden your hearts so that you can have the strength to leave this walled garden, this paradise. And if, can you imagine, Micah, in, during uh, Jesus' ministry, those three and a half years that these, that these apostles were in his presence morning, noon, and night, can you imagine that that would feel like a walled garden, like a paradise? We're with the master. We're with the master. You know, and... and uh, I mean, Jesus asked Peter, well, who do, you know, who do men say that I am? Well, some say that you're the prophet, some say that you're Elijah, you know, blah, blah, blah. But who do you say that I am? Well, you're the Christ, the son of, of, of God. And in uh, John chapter 6, I don't remember where, um, way far down in the, in the chapter, um, Jesus is saying some very hard words, and these people that were following him up until that point, disciples, learners, they started to forsake him. No, what he's saying, these are too, these words are too hard to hear. You know, you got to eat my flesh, you got to drink my blood, all these things. And people are, what is he talking about? Those are too hard. You know, those things are too hard. And let, We're out of here. And he turns to Peter again. Do you want to leave also? Well, to whom would we go, Lord? You have words of eternal life. But Jesus told Peter and John and all the apostles that you are going to have hard times and I have to go away. That's just what this exchange um, reminds me of with uh, Celeborn. You got to go. Some of you, maybe you don't want to go. And yeah, you can stay. You can stay but only for a short time, only for a short time, because one way or another, in, cha- in uh, Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. You can stay here, Celeborn is saying, it's not gonna save you. 
you're going to lose in the end. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Those are the thoughts that I had in this in this um, in this exchange. Let's reread his words again. Now is the time, he said, when those who wish to continue the quest must harden their hearts to leave this land. Those who no longer wish to go forward may remain here for a while, but whether they stay or go, none can be sure of peace. Jesus was telling his apostles, these things are going to happen to you. You're going to be delivered and you're going to go through tribulation. You're going to go through persecution. You're going to stand before the courts. You're going to stand before the Gentiles. You're going to be scourged in their, in their synagogues. You're going to, some of you are going to die. Those who no longer wish to go forward may remain here for a while, but whether they stay or go, none can be sure of peace. For we are come now to the edge of doom. Here, those who wish may await the oncoming of the hour of doom till either the ways of the world lie open again or we summon them to the last need of Lorien. Then they may return to their own lands or else go to the long home of those that fall in battle. Any thoughts? No, I think you got it. You really had your uh, theme right out the gate, didn't you? Well, that's what it... I'm reading this and go, well, that reminds me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was silence. Yeah, there's going to be silence after, after <laughs> that speech. They all resolve. Uh, uh, they all. Oh, they all resolve to go forward," said Galadriel, looking in their eyes. "As for me," says Boromir, "my way home lies onward and not back." "That is true," said Celeborn. "But is all this company going with you to Minas Tirith?" "We have not decided our course," said Aragorn. "Beyond Lothlorien, I do not know what Gandalf." intended to do. Indeed, I do not think that even he had any clear purpose. Maybe not, said Celeborn. Yet, when you leave this land, you can no longer forget the great... You can... What? You can no longer forget the great river. As some of you know well, it cannot be crossed by travelers with baggage between Lorien and Gondor save by boat. And are not the bridges of Osgiliath broken down and all the landings held now by the enemy? On which side will you journey? The way to Minas Tirith lies upon this side, upon the west, but the straight road of the quest lies east of the river upon the darker shore. Which which shore will you now take? If my advice is heeded, it will be the western shore, and the way to Minas Tirith, answered Boromir. But I am not the leader of the company. The others said nothing. And Aragorn looked doubtful and troubled. I see that you do not yet know what to do, said Celeborn. It is not my part to choose for you, but I will help you as I may. There are some among you who can handle boats. Legolas, whose folk know the swift forest river, and Boromir of Gondor and Aragorn the Traveler, 
and one hobbit, cried Mary. Not all of us look on boats as wild horses. My people live by the banks of the Brandywine. That is well, said Celeborn. Then I will furnish your company with boats. They must be small and light, for if you go far by water, there are places where you will be forced to carry them. You will come to the rapids of Sarn Gibir, and maybe at last to the great falls of Rarus, where the river thunders down from Neph Hithoel. And there are other perils. Boats may make your journey less toilsome for a while, yet they will not give you counsel. In the end, you must leave them and the river and turn west or east. Some thoughts. I love this. How it's implied that they are very happy. Boats? Oh, that's going to make our journey pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Or easier. But I, I love you, Professor Tolkien, for writing <laughs> words like this. Yet they will not give you counsel. The boats aren't going to help you. <laughs> yeah. They're going to get you a little ways. Basically just saying, like, Aragorn, <laughs> the boats are just like a temporary thing, but it's not going to... He is um, just every word that he says, every statement, he's hammering home the peril that they're about to face. Mm-hmm. This is perilous. All right, let's continue on. You want to read? Sure. Uh, we landed, uh, ended on turn west or east, right? Yes. Okay. Aragorn thanked Caliborn many times. The gift of boats comforted him much, not least because there would now be a ne- no need to decide his course for some days. Again, there you go. He's uh, he's like, okay, I can uh, I can think on this a little while yes, longer. Yes. Yes. The others too looked more hopeful. Whatever perils lay ahead, it seemed better to float down the broadside, broad tide of the Anduin, to meet them, than to plod forward with bent backs. Only Sam was doubtful. He ate, he at any rate, still thought boats as bad as wild horses, or worse. And not all the dangers that had survived made him think better of them. All shall be, all shall be prepared for you, and wait for you at the haven before noon tomorrow, said Kelborn. I will send my people to you in the morning to help you make ready for the journey. Now we will finish. Now we will wish you all a fair night and untroubled sleep. Good night, my friends, said Galadriel. Sleep in peace. Do not trouble your hearts overmuch with thought of the road tonight. Maybe the paths that you each shall tread are already laid before your feet, though you do not see them. Good night. Whoa. I like to think that a lot of what Gladriel says is kind of like a hint, hint, wink, wink sort of thing. She's acting as a prophet. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, and and just that line right there. Do not trouble your hearts over much with thought of the road tonight. Okay. Yeah. Take it easy. Maybe the paths that you each shall tread are already laid before your feet. Maybe the story has already been written. Yeah. And you are living it out. And we already know what's going to become of the party. Yes. And each of their individual paths. I, I, I feel she's particularly talking to Frodo and Aragorn in, in this case. Yeah. Yes, I agree. 
All right, continue on. All righty. The company now took their leave and returned to their pavilion. Legolas went with them, for this was to be their last night in Lothlorien. And in spite of the words of Galadriel, they wished to take counsel together. For a long time they debated what they should do, and how it would be best to attempt fulfilling their purpose with the ring. But they came to no decision. It was plain that most of them desired first to go to Minas Tirith, Minas Tirith and escape at least for a while from the terror of the enemy. They would have been willing to follow a leader over the river and into the shadow of Mordor, but Frodo spoke no word, and Aragorn was still divided in his mind. Wow, it was plain that most of them desired to go first to Minas Tirith. Well, why wouldn't you? <laughs> you know, yeah. you want to go to this city that's the last bastion of the free peoples, or do you want to go straight well, into these the fantastic enemy? warrior, you know, people? Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it, you know, that that statement has been lost on me you know every time that i read this just now oh i yeah i mean i i always notice it later down the road when um you know legless and gimli are, or legless at least is like you know i i'll go to Minas Tirith personally and then gimli <laughs> says me too but i'll go where frodo goes you know yeah we'll see that later but yeah it, it never i never knew that it was here as well yeah um well it, and that's another advantage of us going through this line by line and yeah. really examining it uh, and thinking about everything that's being said and why it is being said. Mm -hmm. All right. <clears throat> but um, Frodo spoke no word and Aragorn was still divided in his mind. His own plan, while Gandalf remained with them, had been to go with Boromir and with his sword to help to deliver Gondor. For he believed that the message of the dreams was a summons, and that the hour had come at last when the heir of Elendil should come forth and strive with Sauron for the mastery. Whoa! So, that is why Aragorn is so divided in his mind now. Hey, my plan was to go. I thought that it was, that it was as, 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 uh, Galadriel would say, I thought that it was laid out for me. The road, the path had been laid out for me to go to Minas Tirith, claim the throne, and 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 go out and defeat Sauron mm -hmm. with this army, with the Gondor, the army of Gondor. But yeah. with with well, it goes on. But in Moria, the burden of Gandalf had been laid on him. Yeah, and Gandalf was going to be, you know the one that went with Frodo till the end. Yes. And now Aragorn feels responsible for, for Frodo. Oh, boy. So right in the, those statements, you can see however much time has passed since Gandalf fell at the at the Bridge of Khazad-dûm, all of this has been weighing heavy on Aragorn. And that is why... That's the only reason why these discussions are having to take place, because most of them are wanting... Well, let's go to Minas Tirith. And he's yeah. saying... Now, I don't think I can. I don't think that's my path. Wow. Oh, my gosh. That is strong stuff. And so now we have to examine the rest of Aragorn's story arc in the light of this information. Yeah. I mean, it's a struggle between what is his uh, destiny and what is something that he feels is morally pulling him. That is, that's strong stuff right there. Yeah. That Okay, so... We have to remember just what I said to examine the rest of his story arc in 
the light of this information. He had all along planned on going to Minas Tirith. He thought that that is what was supposed to take place. But with 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 Gandalf falling, which so Aragorn can, you know considers that to be completely unexpected and and shattering, earth shattering. Okay, all right. So <clears throat> let's back up just a second here. But in Moria, the burden of Gandalf had been laid on him, on Aragorn, and he knew that he could not now forsake the ring. If Frodo refused in the end to go with Boromir, okay, so he could not now forsake the ring if Frodo refused in the end to go with Boromir. So, if Fro- whatever Frodo says, and he knows what he's going to do, and he has to go because he has to take the place of Gandalf. Wow. Okay, so Gandalf is the, remember our Peter Kraft um, formula here, prophet, priest, and king. Gandalf the prophet, Frodo the priest, Aragorn the king. There may be a bit of, uh, that may be a perfect order. I'm just thinking right now about Jesus. This is working out very, very well. So now the king is taking the place of the prophet. Wow. Okay. Okay, so he knew he could not now forsake the ring if Frodo refused in the end to go with Boromir. And yet, what help could he or any of the company give to Frodo, save to walk blindly with him into the darkness? I shall go to Minas Tirith alone if need be, for it is my duty said Boromir, and after that he was silent for a while, sitting with his eyes fixed on Frodo, as if he was trying to read the halfling's thoughts. At length he spoke again, softly as if he was debating with himself. If you only wish to destroy the ring, he said, then there is little use in war and weapons, and the men of Minas Tirith cannot help. But if you wish to destroy the armed might of the Dark Lord, then it is folly to go without force into his domain and folly to throw away. He paused suddenly as if he had become aware that he was speaking his thoughts aloud. It would be folly to throw lives away, I mean, he ended. It is a choice between defending a strong place and walking openly into the arms of death. At least that is how I see it. Frodo caught something new and strange in Boromir's glance, and he looked hard at him. Plainly, Boromir's thoughts or thought was different from his final words. It would be folly to throw away what? The ring of power? He had said something like this at the council, but then he had accepted the correction of Elrond. Frodo looked at Aragorn, but he seemed deep in his own thought and made no sign that he had heeded Boromir's words. And so their debate ended. Merry and Pippin were already asleep, and Sam was nodding. The night was growing old. Carry on. Okay. In the morning, as they were beginning to pack their slender goods... Elves that could speak their tongue came to them and brought them many gifts of food and clothing for their journey. The food was mostly in the form of very thin cakes made of a meal that was baked 
a light brown on the outside and inside was the color of cream. Gimli took up one of the cakes and looked at it with a doubtful eye. Cram, he said under his breath. As he broke off a crisp corner and nibbled at it, his expression quickly changed, and he ate the rest of the cake with relish. No more, no more, cried the elves laughing. You have eaten your fill, you have eaten enough already to, for a long day's march. I thought it was only a kind of cram, such as the Dalemen make for journeys in the wild, said the dwarf. So it is, they answered, but we call it limbus, or waybread, and it is more strengthening than any food made by men, and it is more pleasant than cram, by all accounts. Indeed it is, said Gimli. Why, it's better than the honey cakes of the Bjornings, and that is great praise, for the Bjornings are the best bakers that I know. But they are none too willing to deal out their cakes to travelers these days. You are kindly hosts. All the same, we bid you spare the food, said the, they said. Eat little at a time, and only at need. For these things are given to serve you for... Whoa, I lost my place there. For when all else fails. The cakes will keep sweet for many, many days, if they are unbroken and left in the leaf wrappings, as we have brought them. One will need... One will keep a traveler on his feet for a day of long labor, even if he is one of the tall men of Minas Tirith. The elves next unwrapped and gave to each of the company the clothes they had brought. Okay, wait, stop for a second. Okay. Okay, so bread. Bread. And we were, I just alluded to this uh, earlier, John chapter 6. Okay, um... Da-da-da-da-da! Here we go, let's go to... Um... Verse 26, John 6, 26, out of the NASB, the New American Standard Bible. Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. This was after he fed the, the 5,000. And he says, Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him the Father, God, has sent his, set his seal. Therefore they said to him, What shall we do so that we may, uh, so that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. So they said to him, What then do you do for a sign so that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread out of heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of the heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, always give us this bread. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him on the last day. 
He continues, therefore the Jews were grumbling about him because he said, I am the bread that came down out of heaven. They were saying, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down out of heaven? Jesus answered and said to them, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the, unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. Continuing down to verse 50. This is the bread which comes down out of heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread also which I give for the life of the world is my flesh. For, verse 55, for my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. This is when they said, whoa, 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 whoa. What he's saying is crazy. But so we have this Lembus bread that is, I think, I think Tolkien was using this as a picture of the Eucharist. Mm -hmm. uh, just as when we went back to uh, that, that vial of, um, of, of the fluid, I can't remember the name of it, that, that Elrond gave to the company. Um. When they left uh, Rivendell and all they had to do was take a sip of that and it would refresh them and give them life. And so this is another picture of when we talked about the Eucharist uh, in, in, uh, in depth on those episodes. Uh, but this is just a, and I do believe that we said back then, well, wait a second, what, you know, hold on, we're gonna have another example of this a uh, little later on. Uh, and that is this point right here. And this is another part of Tolkien where he says, you know, uh, uh, you know, I am a Christian, which can be deduced from my stories. That was letter 213. If you read my stories, Tolkien says, you will be able to deduce the fact that I am a Christian. And this is just another pointer. Perfect. It's called a uh, Miravore. Yes, 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 yes. Miravore. Good stuff. Let's look that up in our complete guide to Middle Earth. Um, here I am in the... I got it up on Tolkien Gateway if you want me to... Oh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, Miravore or Miravore, I assume that's how it's pronounced, was or were a type of cordial used by the Valar or, and the elves. It was the nectar of the Valar made from Yavanna's flowers. What is Yavanna? Yavanna is one of the, uh, on the Valar. Oh, okay, gotcha. I'm not very or, versed uh, on the Valar. <laughs> yeah. Poured during their festivals in Valinor. In her lament, Gladriel uh, recalled that the years passed like swift... I don't, uh, anyway, it's a drink of the Valar. Okay, now I have to check because I just said uh, uh, that she's a Valar, so I have to double-check myself so I don't make anybody mad. Yeah, no, no, it, you were right about that. Right? Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Yavanna? Uh, was, uh, was a valet or va Yeah. Okay, the Queen of Earth also known as giver of fruits. She was responsible for all growing things. See, look at this. I have notes. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, da, 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 da. There's the Maiar. Uh, Yavanna, yes, all things that grow. And she is uh, the sister of Vanya, Vanna. And which one is that? Wait, is she? Another one of the Valar. Okay. Siblings, yep, Vanna. Nice. Spouse Owle. Yes. Oh. No, Orame. 
Oh, Ali, the Smith, and who created the dwarves? Yep. Cool. Yeah. Cool stuff. That's cool beans. That's fun. <laughs> All right. So, um, okay. So here we go. Uh, now get back to their clothes. Okay. Let me see where I was. Okay. Uh, if you have it, I you can go ahead. I okay. have it. Um. I do not know what you mean by that, answered the leader of the elves. They are fair garments, and the web is good. Oh, no, 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 let me back up here. I'm sorry. The elves next unwrapped and gave to each of the company the clothes they had brought. For each, they had provided a hood and cloak made according to his size of the light but warm silken stuff that the Galathrim wore, wove. It was hard to say of what color they were, gray with the hue of twilight under the trees they seemed to be, and yet if they were moved or set in another light, they were green as shadowed leaves or brown as fallen field, fallow fields by night, dusk silver as water under the stars. Each cloak was fastened about the neck with a brooch like a green leaf veined with silver. Are these magic cloaks? asked Pippin, looking at them with wonder. I do not know what you mean by that, answered the leader of the elves. And again, I love that every time magic is mentioned, the elves are yeah, all, like, what I don't, is that? I don't, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> they are fair garments, and the web is good, for it was made in this land. They are elvish robes, certainly, if that is what you mean. Leaf and branch, <laughs> water and stone. They have the hue and beauty of all these things under the twilight of Lorien that we love. For we put the thoughts of all that we love into all that we make. Oh, goodness. We all ought to do that. Mm -hmm. That There's a Christian theme there, friends. I'm going to refrain. Yet they are garments, not armor. And they will not turn shaft or blade. But they should serve you well. They are light to wear and warm enough or cool enough at need. And you will find them a great aid in keeping out of the sight of unfriendly eyes, whether you walk among the stones or the trees. You are indeed high in the favor of the lady, for she herself and her maidens wove this stuff. And never before have we clad strangers in the garb of our own people. I love all these firsts, you know, that, mm -hmm. that, are, that are taking place, especially in Lothlorien. This has to be... Well, it's kind of like exceptional circumstances. Circumstances, you know, require right. But it just exceptions. <laughs> drives home that that thought that this is the temple of God of 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 Iluvatar. This is the paradise, and the word paradise does mean walled garden. All right. After their morning meal, the company said farewell to the uh, to the lawn by the fountain. Their hearts were heavy, for it was a fair place, and it had become like home to them, though they could not count the days and nights that they had passed there. As they stood for a moment, looking at the white water and the sunlight, Haldir came walking toward them, uh, wait, did I read that right? Came walking towards them over the green grass of the glade. Frodo greeted him with delight. I have returned from the northern fences, said the elf. And I am sent now to be your guide again. The Dimril Dell is full of vapor and clouds of smoke, and the mountains are troubled. There are noises in the deeps of the earth. 
If any of you had thought of returning northwards to your home, you would not have been able to pass that way. But come, your path now goes south. So this kind of ties into when uh, Galadriel said, perhaps your path has already been laid out for you. And here's a here's a confirmation of mm-hmm. that. You can't go back. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But come, your path now goes south. As they walk through uh, Karis Galathan, uh, the green ways were empty. But in the trees above them, many voices were murmuring and singing. They themselves were uh, went silently. At last, Haldir led them down the southward slope of the hill, and they came again to the great gate, hung with lamps, and to the white bridge. And so they passed out and left the city of the elves. And this is depicted fantastically in Lord of the Rings Online. It is, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm very happy with it. You know, the, the gate and the, the, the bridge. Then they turned away from the paved road and took a path that went off into a deep thicket of mallorn trees and passed on winding through rolling woodlands of silver shadow, leading them ever down, southwards and eastwards, towards the shores of the river. They had gone some ten miles, and noon was at hand when they had come on a high green wall. Passing through an opening, they came suddenly out of the trees. Before them lay a long lawn of shining grass, studded with golden Eleanor that glinted in the sun. The lawn ran out into a narrow tongue between bright margins on the right and west. The silver load flowed glittering. On the left and east, the great river rolled its broad waters deep and dark. On the further shores, the woodlands still marched on southwards as far as I could see. But all the banks were bleak and bare. No Malorn lifted its gold-hung boughs beyond the land of Lorien. On the bank of the Silverlode, at some distance up from the meeting of the streams, there was a height of white stones and white wood. By it were moored many boats and barges. Some were brightly painted and shone with silver and gold and green, but most were either white or gray. Three small gray boats had been made ready for the travelers. And in these, the elves stowed their goods. And they added also coils of rope, three to each boat. Slender they looked, but strong, silken to the touch, gray of hue like the elven cloaks. What are these? asked Sam, handling one that lay upon the greensward. Ropes indeed, answered an elf from the boats. Never travel far without a rope, and one that is long and strong and light. Such are these. They may be a help in many needs. You don't need to tell me that, said Sam. I came without any, and I've been worried ever since. But I was wondering what these were made of, knowing a bit about rope making. It's in the family, you might say. These are made of Hithlin, said the elf. But there is no time now to instruct you in the art of their making. Had we known that this craft delighted you, we could have taught you much. I love that. Yeah. Had we known that this craft delighted you. Yeah, it, it reminds me, oddly enough, of uh, grandmother in California. Who, you you might say, you know, oh, how do how do you how do you sew this or whatever? Oh well, you're leaving now, but I I could have taught you. Yes. You know, 
just interested in sharing. Well, and also because delight isn't a word that many people use much anymore. I like it. You know, I think things are delightful or, yeah, or I'm delight. Turkish delight. Yeah, I'm yes, I'm delighted. <laughs> and which is, uh, you know, to delight is it, um, means to please someone greatly. To please someone greatly or to take great pleasure in rope making. Mm-hmm. Oh, if we had known that you had ta- you you took such great pleasure in rope making, they could have said it that way. But I love Tolkien's use of words. Had we known that this craft delighted you, we could have taught you much. But now, alas, unless you should at some time return hither, you must be content with our gift. May it serve you well. Come, said Haldir. All is now ready for you. Enter the boats. But take care at first. Heed the words, said the other elves. These boats are light built and they are crafty and unlike the boats of other folk. They will not sink. Laid them as you will, but they are wayward if mishandled. It would be wise if you accustomed yourself to stepping in and out here where there is a landing place before you set off downstream. The company was arranged in this way. Aragorn, Frodo, and Sam were in one boat. Boromir, Merry, and Pippin in another. And in the third were Legolas and Gimli, who had now become fast friends. <laughs> we talked a little bit about that last time, when they would go off and, uh, and, and, and walk and talk together. And now they are fast friends. In this last boat, most of the goods and packs were stowed. The boats were moved and steered with short-handled uh, handled paddles that had broad leaf-shaped blades. When all was ready, Aragorn led them on a trial up the silver load. The current was swift, and they went forward slowly. Sam sat in the bows, clutching the sides and looking back wistfully to the shore. The sunlight glittered on the water, uh, glittering on the water, dazzled his eyes. As they passed beyond the green field of the tongue, the trees drew down to the river's brink. Here and there, golden leaves tossed and floated on the rippling stream. The air was very bright and still, and there was a silence except for the high distant song of larks. They turned a sharp bend in the river, and there, sailing proudly down the stream towards them, they saw a swan of great size. The water rippled on either side of the white breast beneath its curving neck. Its beak shone like burnished gold, and its eyes glinted like jets set in yellow stones. Its huge white wings were half-lifted. A music came down the river as it drew nearer, and suddenly they perceived that it was a ship, wrought and carved with elven skill in the likeness of a bird. Two elves clad in white steered it with black paddles. In the midst of the vessel sat Celeborn, and behind him stood Galadriel, tall and white, and a circlet of golden flowers was in her hair, and in her hand she held a harp, and she sang, sad and sweet was the sound of her voice in the cool, clear air. And instead of me butchering it by reading it, let's listen to Brusselian. Yes, please.
get any more beautiful than that been a while since we had a song it has been and it's wonderful to listen to Brasselion. that was um well that was taken off of their album starlit jewel which you can get on their website at broseliand.org of course that's b-r-o-c-e-l-i-a-n-d-e dot org starlit jewel it's only available as a cd you can't get uh, digital uh, downloads of that album uh, but it's all Tolkien music and it's absolutely fantastic and we thank Broseliand for allowing us to play their music on the Secret Fire podcast let's go ahead and uh, read through this so uh, again she was uh, Galadriel tall and white a circlet of golden flowers was in her hair and in her hand she held a harp And she sang, sad and sweet was the sound of her voice in the cool, clear air. And can you imagine this scene, Micah? They thought that this boat was a swan. Mm -hmm. And lo, no, it is an amazing ship. And there's Lord Celeborn with Galadriel standing behind him, you know, in all of her beauty. And she sang, I sang of leaves, of leaves of gold and leaves of gold there grew. Of wind I sang, a wind there came, and in the branches blew. Beyond the sun, beyond the moon, the foam was on the sea. 
and by the strand of Ilmarine there grew a golden tree. Beneath the stars of Ever Eve in Eldamar it shone, in Eldamar beside the walls of Elven Tyrion. There long the golden leaves have grown upon the branching years, while here beyond the sundering seas now fall the elven tears. O Lorien, the winter comes, the bare and leafless day. The leaves are falling in the stream, the river flows away. O Lorien, too long I have dwelt upon this hither shore, and in a fading crown have twined the golden Eleanor. But if of ships I now should sing, what ship would come to me? What ship would bear me ever back across so wide a sea? Oh, Micah, the elves and their, their loves, their passions, their art, their history. And the professor can lay history. He just, there was a narrative. Mm-hmm in that song so beautifully captured. And I wish that we could go through this line by line and dive deep into the lore. And I know there are some listeners out there that are saying, please do it. But we can't because these are things that we haven't talked about yet, but we will cover later on. And then that way, maybe, Michael, when we're going through the appendices and things and and, uh, uh, other writings, of the legendarium we can remember oh hey let's go back and re-examine the songs mm-hmm. and that way we can you know get a better understanding yeah it's pretty amazing how he puts these things in there that don't come fully into the main story that he's written here you would have to go elsewhere look at his you know unfinished writings to understand it fully but the fact that it's in there, that he has it fleshed out, and then he only puts the tip of the iceberg yes, in there yes. makes it feel so much more real. Real. Yeah. Then that's what he set out to do, was to create a myth for England, mm-hmm. you know, for his uh, for his land that, w- that was real in every sense um, of the word. And... Uh, you know, he had, I mean, obviously, he had been working on the Silmarillion. I mean, that was his real great love, right? Yeah. And, and so he had these stories, and of course, that wasn't published yet, right? And uh, um, uh, so the point that you make, we can't let that be lost on the listeners. Tolkien had a fully fleshed out world with a history, with culture, with language. Yeah. Who else does that? Unfortunately, not many. And I can't think of any myself. I'm sure there is, you know, and well, people I mean, have... to, to smaller extents, such as I would say Harry Potter has a pretty nicely fleshed out, you know, believable sort of um, lore to it. But, you know, obviously nowhere near the level of Tolkien. The, the weight that this has. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I'm tempted. Well, Micah, hmm. y- you know what time it is. You need say no more. We best get a move on. There are still goblins about. Oh, bother. More mountains? No, don't you see? The sun is setting in the west, behind the mountains. We're on the other side, to the edge of the land beyond. Yes, we need to, we need to call it done. That's a great place to start because there's still a lot of meaty things in this chapter. 
and we don't want to have to rush through those. Uh, and uh, pretty soon here, Mom is going to want me to grill some chicken. And so we're going to have to keep this uh, this episode shorter. <laughs> we're already at an hour. Uh, okay, so now listen, listeners, what stood out to you in this first part of this chapter? Farewell to Lorien, chapter 8 of book 2 of The Lord of the Rings. Uh, get in touch with us. We want to know your thoughts. I said touch. Don't get in touch. Get in touch with us. What is what is touch? I don't know, but we want to, we want your uh, your thoughts, and we uh, do appreciate all of your thoughts and your feedback. And we will give you all the ways to contact us here in just a few moments. But first of all, Micah, there's a what, what is this? Earth are these? Replies to the party invitations. Good gracious! Yeah, good gracious, boy! Do we have some responses to the party invitations, Micah? Hey, first of all, uh, we got a review on iTunes. Nice. And it's a five-star review by Rendon777. The title says, Listens Like a Book Club. If you're a fan of Tolkien and you love to share your thoughts on the books, join the fellowship and become a member of the Secret Fire. This podcast will change your life as it has changed mine. The crew dives deep into the novels and they uncover the hidden mysteries of the Bible through a, a minute analysis of Lord of the Rings. Very nice. Yes, very, and thank you for the analogy of a book club because it makes me feel like I'm part of the Inklings or something. Hey, yeah, well, you know, this is, we got our own little Inklings here. Yeah. Uh, so again, thank you, Rendon777, for that review in iTunes. We do appreciate that. I got a Facebook message from Robert Goldenberg that I, I, I lost, I, I forgot about until just today. And so this was sent probably a couple of months ago. I apologize Robert for not uh, sharing this sooner, but better late than never, as my old gaffer always said. Uh, <laughs> he says, uh, uh, you guys were the first podcast this old man ever listened to. As a follower of Jesus since I was a young boy and a fan of Tolkien since I was a teenager, I love the Christian insight you added to the professor's work. Uh, I pray that our God and Father would encourage you to keep going. Your, uh, your, your particular um, something is much needed. Like Aragorn after the fall of Gandalf, carry on. Wow, that tied in perfect to mm -hmm. what we were talking about today. Yeah, uh, Aragorn having to make that decision. That's a tough decision. Thank you, Philip. Oh, Robert. No, Philip's coming up next, but thank you, Robert. Uh, this was a comment on the website. Philip wrote, Hello, Michael and Micah. I always enjoy listening to you discuss The Lord of the Rings. Every time you drop a new podcast, it goes to the top of my queue. Wow. In this episode, I don't know which episode it was, um, I thought Michael made a great point when he was discussing how Galadriel was an example of how Christians should correct one another. I also appreciated the discussion of Frodo's vision in the mirror. So obviously that was the previous episode. So I'm, I'm timely on this one. I good, got good, to good. this one. Yes, okay. It's in so, date. <laughs> uh, I also appreciate the discussion of Frodo's visions in the mirror. As for your question regarding the length the podcast should be, I want to let you know that I like long podcasts. Two and a half or three hour podcasts Ooh, are fine with me. <laughs> I'm looking forward to the new schedule. This podcast once a month is great. Um, keep up the good work, guys. Well, I like long podcasts, too. Yeah, you do. Me, I have a Twitter uh, um, uh, attention span. Oh, but uh, But yeah. I can sure talk. 
okay, I can talk. Uh-huh. I mean, we could have gone on and on and on on this uh, on this uh, one here. Okay, uh, email from Andrew Andrew Weber. We've heard from Andrew before. He is uh, he's a neighbor of sorts. Greetings again from Murfreesboro. Oh yeah, he is a neighbor. Howdy. Just listened to the last couple of episodes and greatly enjoyed them. With one caveat. Uh oh. What did Micah do? Are we in trouble? Oh, the frequent questioning of should we go there that is more detail he doesn't like that the answer to this is always yes (laughs) should we go there yes there's no debate (laughs) okay let's see here uh this ties into your question uh to the audience about show length make them as long as your interests allow dive deep into everything I don't know how others listen, but I listen to a lot of podcasts at work where my hands are busy, but my mind has spare time. I'm not blocking out a certain amount of time to squeeze in a a determined length show. Boromir. I thought Micah's comments about Boromir's suspicious nature were on track. Just to add to that discussion, I'm reminded of the admonition, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Boromir reminds me of an unbeliever, joining a a group of true believers for a common cause, but approaching it from completely different and incompatible viewpoints. Gandalf and the others wish to defeat Sauron by destroying the ring, denying him its power while also denying it to themselves. Boromir also wants to defeat Sauron, but by using his own weapon against him, beating him at his own game. He won't heed Elrond's warnings about the dangers because he doesn't believe in the fallen nature of his own people. Whoa. Okay, continuing on. Aragorn tells Boromir, lore wanes in Gondor. Boromir doesn't know or trust the lore of the wise, so he doesn't give weight to any wisdom derived from it. And because of Gondor's waning lore, the deep, historic friendship between the elves and the Dúnedain is completely lost on Boromir, creating space for superstition and misunderstanding. Yeah, absolutely. Any thoughts so far? Because this yeah, keeps going. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's what I was saying about um, it not being his culture, you know, to understand these uh, other other cultures or magical, you know, particularly yeah. elves or whatever. It's just not how he was raised. It's not the culture that he is in currently. Yes. Okay, continues. This puts me in mind of the gulf of misunderstanding between believers and non-believers we see today. With Christianity on the, de- on the decline in the West, it seems more and more that everyday Christians are viewed by others in society as b- a bizarre subculture with dark and unfathomable motives. Not to get political, but take Vice President Mike Pence as an example. Whatever else he... Whatever else, he's a sincere believer with more or less uh, standard Christian beliefs. He can say what we would consider some of the most basic and innocuous statements of faith and practice, and the non-Christian culture around us scrutinizes each word with the utmost suspicion, certain that something sinister is intended. Like Boromir's uh, mistrust of the elves, it's very, very sad. And I'll let that uh, just uh, speak for itself. Uh, I don't want to get into any uh, political uh, discussion here. Mm -hmm. Uh, He continues, Boromir doesn't have any hope. The knowledge that Iluvatar is at work in the world um, through the wise, the Valar, and other free people has no root in him. 
there are no halls of Mandos, no Valinor, no new theme of music to unfold and be a part of. To him, the Fellowship is a suicide pact, and the ring is a powerful weapon to be used now at any cost against an overwhelmingly or overwhelming enemy. He is very lost indeed. I think we should love Boromir. I agree. And I do. Yes, and I do too. Because, um, you know, I can identify. Mm-hmm. All right, elves and dwarves. Contrary to Micah's statement... I do think there is an inherent divide between the elves and the dwarves. This stems from their unusual creation by the um, Vala Aule. Aule was impatient to have um, students to learn his craft, so he improvised on Eru's plan. Because they weren't part of the original design, Eru told Aule that the dwarves would frequently be at odds with other races, and Aule's wife, uh, 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 Kementari, told him... Um, they would even be at odds with nature itself. I think and you, this is right out of um, um, Silmarillion, mm-hmm. so he's absolutely right on this. Do-do-do-do. Um, I think what's implied is a real and undeniable um, schematic nature from their inception. The times when the dwarves had meaningful fellowship with certain people or segments of races are outliers usually based on a shared love and knowledge of crafts uh, and their patron, Aule. Good points. Mm-hmm. Okay, now, the visions in the mirror. Michael, you seem to imply that, uh, or you seem to me to imply that the vision Sam saw was a possibility, something that might happen should Sam turn aside. If that's a mischaracterization, I apologize. That is how Galadriel describes some of what the mirror shows in general, but it seems clear to me that the things both Sam and Frodo saw were actually happening or were going to happen despite their staying the course. Okay, let me clarify what what I meant by that. I'm speaking, I was speaking uh, from... Uh, Galadriel's yeah, with perspective. Her, with her words, that's yes. what she said. Yeah, because I mean, you it know, may we, or may not. Happen. We know, we know what happened. Yeah. So um, it, that was uh, that was Galadriel's um, perspective, point of view on that. Yeah, she said these things may not come to pass. Right. Yeah. Like the prophecy given to Paul in Acts that you mentioned, these visions weren't uh, useful as a guide for deeds, but they were useful as a tool for testing resolve and a way to prepare the hearts and minds that uh, whether uh, they succeed or fail, there will be a cost. All the best, Andrew Weber. Thank you. Excellent, excellent thoughts. Wow, well Mm -hmm. thought out, well said. And uh, I'm sure that all the listeners appreciate that. And then uh, there's a, um, a addendum on the end of that uh, email that was a personal thing. And, Andrew, I will get back to you uh, on that uh, after I have some time to process uh, all of that good stuff. And, Micah, that is, uh, that's all that we got for feedback today. Can you believe that? Wow. Yeah, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, please keep it going. Keep that uh, feedback coming in. And I did get some other feedback that I have lost. I don't know where it is. I mean, we have so many different ways that that folks can get in touch with us, whether it's Facebook uh, 
on the page or message, messaging me through the page or comments on YouTube videos or messages on Twitter yeah. or... Maybe you can start, like, screenshotting it the, the second you see it or something, that, just in case. That's know. what I need to do is yeah. make me a note right away. So I don't, I don't want to lose people's feedback. And if I, have, if I have skipped yours in the past, I sincerely apologize. We don't... We don't skip anybody. Not at all intentional. Yeah, not at all intentional. Um, all right. Party tree. Fun stuff. We've been talking about it. It's going to happen, and it probably will happen next weekend. And that is Lot- Lotro Quest. Yes. Very nice. Mike and I are starting a brand new series on our Twitch channel where we are, you've heard us talk about it, we are going to start at the very beginning of the Lord of the Rings online. Micah, tell us a little bit about what uh, some of our thoughts are and our ideas. So, pretty much, starting off, what we're going to start doing is, for our first little playthrough with our two characters, we're going to go ahead and just quest the main storyline of Lotro, which is the... um, what it called the epic quest, I believe. Yeah, the epic storyline. Epic story. It follows um, follows the path of the book, but you know it takes. You're detours. following behind. Yeah, you're pretty much behind, and then eventually you'll catch up, and you know around Mordor you'll be fighting right alongside them. And because but, you're following behind them, you have to go on these side quests, and that's where yeah. they embellish the story. Yeah, and yeah. so that so that one those characters we are going to follow the story as closely as we can. Yes, and I I, I feel the people at Lotro did a really, really good job of, of, you know, exploring different aspects of the lore that were maybe not explored as well in the actual book. Or not as well, but not, you know, just... Thoroughly. Thoroughly, yes. yes. Um, so, there's... I feel that'll be really interesting to do. And then hopefully we'll do with our other um, set of characters. We'll so go we're going to have two sets of characters. Yes. Okay. Uh, with the other set... We'll just get those guys up to top level immediately, and then we'll just, you know, have days where we just go explore the different regions. Ah, uh, okay. And yeah. so really uh, go outside the story yeah, and and explore this digital representation, this virtual Middle Earth. Yeah, because so it's for fullest. those of you who are not savvy to how MMOs work, I understand. I'm not an MMO player. I'm a Losho player. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but how they work is, you know, as you move further along down the map, the regions, you know, the... Um, level of enemies gets um, higher and then their strengths are higher than yours, you know, so um, if you're the top level, you can go anywhere you want, pretty much, and that's what we want to do, because when we're going through, with our first set of characters, when we're going through doing the the questing, the storyline, we may, you know, not get to certain parts of the map or whatever, Um, and I hate that, because I want to explore every nook and cranny of it, and I want you guys to be able to see that, because, I mean, that's why you would come, you know, to see what you maybe can't see or just watch somebody else see what you have seen. So th- that's that's the basic plan right now is to have a set of characters do the, the story and then a set of characters just explore the areas. All right. And um, that's going to be fun because we have received a lot of feedback of, uh, from people that are excited about this. Good. Uh, you know, people that have said... you. Know, I have always wanted to play the game. I've never gotten around to it, or I don't, you know, I live somewhere where there's not enough bandwidth, or I don't, you know, right. I can't, I don't have the time to play it, but man, I'm very interested in Lord of the Rings online. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're going to do for you. And so we will, um, 
will come into the studio, fire up our Twitch stream, and uh, and do it live and interact with you. And then, as we do with all of these videos, we will export them to our YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to be tuned in live. Um, you can watch uh, at your leisure on uh, on YouTube. Just search for Secret Fire Podcast on YouTube and subscribe and hit the bell icon and you'll be notified every time we upload a video. Uh, and uh, other than that, so that's, that's fun. That's party tree stuff. And we're yeah. going to have a good time uh, doing that show and looking forward to uh, interacting with the listeners and, uh, and, and especially you folks that have never even seen Lotro. Mm -hmm. You know, you'll, you'll, we think you're really going to enjoy that. Anything else, Micah? I think we got it. All right. Well, before we go, here comes the party invitations. Yay! Woo. The Secret Fire podcast is live in the GCT Network studio whenever we are actually live, about once per month now. We'll send out our notifications when we're broadcasting on our Twitch page. And the best way to get notified when we're live in the studio is via Twitter, at Secret Firecast. And you can join us on the Arkenstone server in Lord of the Rings Online at lotro.com. Yay, and you can send us email. Email is a good way to make sure I don't lose your uh, <laughs> your comments and your thoughts. Secretfire at gctnetwork.com. Or you can call our Hobbit hotline at 507-407-GCTN and leave us a voicemail that we can play on the show. 507-407-GCTN, uh, or if that line is busy, you can call the emergency backup line in Crick Hollow, which is 507-407-4286. Well, let's see if it's still working here. Hello? Oh, hey, Fatty. Yeah, hey, Fatty's standing by. Hey, Fatty. Man, he's been, he's been doing that to... He's uh, loyal there. Uh, <laughs> Secret Fire Podcast is available in all of your favorite podcast apps. Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, whatever that's called. We're in Spotify, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, or whichever podcast app you use. Just search them all for Secret Fire Podcast. Our theme song, Hobbit's Dance, is from the album Memories of Middle Earth by Brob Dignagian Bards. You can find out more about them and buy all the music on their website. To find out more about the Secret Fire podcast, as well as our other shows, oh, you know, I had Finding Christ in Cinema's done. The Theonauts, get over <laughs> to our main website at uh, secret or gctnetwork.com. If you like the Secret Fire podcast, please share it with your friends and review the show in iTunes. But if you love the Secret Fire podcast, please become a patron and sustaining member of the fellowship on our Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash gc. T in and until next time and until next time this is the end wait, 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 I have those backwards and until next time <laughs> I regret to announce this is the end I'm going now I bid you all a very fond farewell goodbye Bye. it was tied to uh, an uh, elven rope and then, elven which was tied yes. to an elven boat <laughs> and that rhymes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll see you later. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your great commission. This is your great commission transmission. At GCTNetwork.com. Transmission. Transmission.